0: Amen, amen. You brought a Bible, say yes. Psalm 119 in your text. If you're a guest of ours, uh, today is both a happy and a sad day. It's a sad day because we're finishing Psalm 119. Today, but then it's also a happy day because I get to share with you what the Lord's been teaching me So I'm pretty fired up to show you a few things from the last four stanzas of Psalm 119 in this series entitled hashtag never empty Also, thank you so much for all your tweets out there As we were looking online, so many people studying this scripture together And writing some things down that God has really been teaching them and challenging them with So appreciate you doing that Psalm 119 beginning in verse 145 You've got it there, stand with me and out of God's word this morning morning and I've got some water up here the pollen's been killing me so if I sip on it uh y'all can just uh pray for me at that time 119 so it won't be awkward silence you know what I mean is what I'm getting at here we go verse 145 the Bible says I cry with all my heart answer me O Lord I will observe your statutes I cried to you save me and I shall keep your testimonies I rise before dawn and cry for help. I wait for your words. My eyes anticipate the night watches that I may meditate on your word. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness. Revive me, O Lord, according to your ordinances. Those who follow after wickedness draw near. They are far from your law. You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. Of old I have known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. Look upon my affliction and rescue me. For I do not forget your law, plead my cause and redeem me, revive me according to your word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not see your statutes. Great are your mercies, O Lord, revive me according to your ordinances. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, yet I do not turn aside from your testimonies. I behold the treacherous and loathe them, behold they, uh, because they do not keep your word. Consider how I love your precepts, revive me, O Lord, according to your lovingkindness. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great spoil. I hate and despise falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous ordinances. Those who love your law and have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. I hope for your salvation, O Lord. And do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. Let my cry come up before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. Let my lips utter praise, for you teach me your statutes. Let my tongue sing of your word, for all your commandments are righteous. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live that it may praise you, and let your ordinances help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Let's bow together. Father, we do thank you so much for your word this morning. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would just take the scripture now and place it into our hearts enabling us to grow, have a greater passion, not only for your word, but also for you. And God, I pray for those who are experiencing great trials in their life and attacks from the enemy. Lord, I ask that you would use this word today to really encourage their hearts. And God, as we look at Psalm 119, Lord, help us at the same time to run all the way to the cross. Help us to see in light of the cross how we can pray even greater prayers than the psalmist. And God, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, bringing us into your presence. And God, right now, we thank you that you're here. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, give me the spiritual stamina to accomplish the task ahead. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. You guys be seated. Well, they said things about him that were absolutely untrue. Uh, Like a screech owl, they scoffed at his devotion to God without any mercy like a band of wild dogs they would surround him with a ravenous desire to actually destroy him and to consume his testimony such was the affliction of the psalmist of Psalm 119 and as we've gone through this longest chapter of the Bible we have had the opportunity to not only see how Psalm 119 elevates the Word of God and challenges you and I to increase our devotion to the scripture but we've also noted together that this individual psalmist has a passionate prayer life. In fact, it's amazing whenever you study the Bible, uh, you not only want to listen to what it says to those to whom it is being written, but you also want to place yourself in the sandals of the one who is actually writing the text. And so as we look at the psalmist's life, it's given me an opportunity to get to know him on a much grander scale. And I've been encouraged by his life. He not only has this devotion to God's Word on one hand, but he also has this desperation for God on the other. It's almost like his life is in a train on parallel tracks. One of the tracks is prayer, the other is devotion to the Word of God. See you and I as followers of Jesus need be just like the psalmist. We should be walking our life with one foot in the Word of God and one knee always bowed in prayer. And as we are devoted to God in His Word, we will find that our prayers are increasing ever more and ever more. As we get into the Word of God, we are more passionate about God, but we're not only passionate about Him, we actually want to talk to Him. And that's what the psalmist did. The psalmist was passionate about the Lord, but he also wanted to talk to the Lord. We found that all throughout Psalm 119. In fact, as we begin our journey together in verses 1 through 24, we asked the question, which was very simple, why should we increase our devotion to God's Word? And the answers were, because we'll enjoy life more. We'll enjoy worship more, we'll enjoy purity more, and we'll enjoy His presence more. You see, the more time you spend in the Word of God, meditating upon it, hiding it into your heart, The grander you're going to have opportunity times to be with the Lord himself in worship. And then in 25 through 48, the Bible uh, began to share with us the answer to the question, how does God's word work in our life? Uh, The scriptures teach us that when we are down, God's word picks us up. Whenever we are sideways, God's word straightens us out. When we are scrutinized, God's word gives us courage. And then as we looked at verses 49 through 72, we began to continue to see how God's word works in our life. Whenever we're disappointed, God's word comforts us. Whenever we are weak, God's word produces spiritual energy in our life. Whenever we are afflicted, his word instructs us. It is very important as followers of Jesus that we spend time in the word of God. And then 73 through 96, we begin to hear the prayer life of the psalmist. In fact, as we studied that together, we found that the psalmist was exercising unbelievable patience. Not trying to get out from under the trial so much as trusting God to take him out of the trial. And he prayed. He prayed uh, with great patience. We learned together that patience makes room for God to work. We learned that patience isn't simply sitting down. Patience is passionately praying in desperation for God to work. And there again patience is supported by the word and then verses 97 through 120 we learn that as we get into the Word of God more and more we learn how to hear through the noise of the world the flesh and the devil there's always an attack against your soul just as there is against mine but God's Word has a way of drowning out the enemy's voice As he rings clearly in our ears. We also learn that as we spend time with the word, that we are able to walk without staggering off of God's path for our life. We learn that his word helps us to choose friends wisely. And then as we hit 121 through 144, we begin to hear the psalmist pray in the midst of his devotion to the Lord. Remember these prayers? He says, Lord, I need to see your loyalty. Remember how he prayed, Lord, I need you to keep me free from sin. Remember also how he prayed, Lord, I want to find peace in your divine word. So he was not only passionate about the word of God, but he was also passionate about crying out to the Lord. So as you go through Psalm 119, it's like a ping pong ball going across the table. Devotion to God's word on one side, uh, devotion to prayer before God on the other, and back and forth it goes. And that really is a description of your life and my life when we are walking with the Lord. Now this morning, we want to... In the series with three truths that I think are going to encourage some of you today as we continue to look at the life of the psalmist. So let me go ahead and jump on the first truth. Are y'all ready for that? Say yes. And uh, the first truth is very simple. When my enemies are drawing close, God is closer. When my enemies are drawing close, God is closer. Look at verse 150 and 151 again in your Bibles. Scripture says, those who follow after wickedness draw near." They are far from you and your law. But check this out. You are near, O Lord, and all of your commandments are truth. Now, notice what happens here to the psalmist's heart. The psalmist, through prayer, is identifying the fact that these enemies are drawing near to him. These are those who have attacked him throughout this entire adventure that we have taken through Psalm 119. Their entire scheme is evil. Their plot is a diabolical one but i love the apparent contrast of the psalmist he's saying my enemies are drawing close but then it's almost as if he begins thinking about where the lord god is in the midst of his difficult days and you gotta imagine him as he's pinning this uh, particular psalm on parchment paper that he would write down lord my enemies are drawing close and then he would sit back and then he would come back in after coming to the realization to write down but lord you are near He's giving a contrast. They're drawing close, but God, you are near to me. See, although his enemies are drawing close, God is always closer. Now, how close is the Lord? The Lord is just as close as his word. As the psalmist says, all your commandments are truth. See, we sense the nearness of the Lord like never before when we are standing face to face with his divine word. Now it's interesting isn't it that the psalmist would say such a thing or we would learn that truth from his life that principle when my enemies are drawing close God is closer the reason that's awesome to me is because he is saying that before the cross but you and I are living on the other side of the cross so if he can say it think about this morning how much more you can make the statement when my enemies are drawing close God is closer see Jesus came the Bible says When he was born of a virgin here over 2,000 years ago and placed his foot upon this particular earth, which he himself created, the Bible says that he is Emmanuel, God with us. Who is Jesus? He is God with us. The Bible says that Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us as the Word. Find that in John chapter 1. In the same sense that the presence of God dwelt in the Old Testament tabernacle, The Bible teaches us that the Lord Jesus Christ has the presence of God dwelling in his body while he's here. You can't get much nearer to God than standing face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you consider Jesus, not only through his earthly ministry, displaying the glory of God to the earth, but he also went all the way to the Lord's table, what we call communion or the Lord's Supper. Jesus there with his disciples sitting around it. Not sitting as you and I sit at a table, but actually uh, laying on the side, reclining. Uh, They typically would lay on their side, one hand behind their ear, the other hand used to reach out to actually grab the food from the table. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, in that particular intimate setting would actually reach out and grab the bread. And he would take it and break it and pass it around to all those who were there as his disciples and say, take and eat this. This is my body, broken for you. Think about the nearness of that imagery. How close the Lord God is to those who have received him by faith. They took of the bread. Then the Bible says that he took the wine. He passed it around to all of the disciples. He said, take and drink. This is my blood poured out for you. Then he makes the statement, this is a symbol of the new covenant which I make with you. This new covenant was a covenant of nearness. This new covenant was a covenant where the Lord God himself, through the Lord Jesus Christ, would actually implant his own presence in those of us who believe. How much more nearer are we who know Christ today than even the psalmist was as the Holy Spirit now takes up presence in our life? See, we have the nearness of God. Even when our enemies are drawing near, God is nearer. But you know, one of the greatest enemies that you and I face here upon this earth is the enemy of death, is it not? In fact, as we study scripture, we find that the wages of sin is death, right? So all of us deserve to die for our sin, but what is awesome is that Jesus Christ came to actually defeat that one enemy for us. Jesus came to the earth, he gave the bread and the wine, then he went to the cross, and there on the cross he died the death that you and I deserve. And you think about Paul the Apostle as he sat down with praise in his heart writing these words, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, even the old saint who was standing at the doorway of death can experience an insurmountable peace in his or her heart because death has been defeated on his or her behalf. Death has been swallowed up through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We no longer need fear death, our great enemy. But even as it draws near, God is nearer. Donald Gray Barnhouse was a famous Bible preacher in the 1950s. He lost his wife to cancer. She was in her 30s when this occurred, and on the way to his funeral, the oldest daughter asked him, Dad, if Jesus died for our sins, why do we still die? And it was at that moment that a large truck roared past them, and Barnhouse turned to his daughter and asked, Tell me, sweetheart, would you rather be run over by that truck or by its shadow? And she replied, Well, by the shadow, the shadow cannot hurt you. Barnhouse nodded and said, Did you know that the truck of death ran over the Lord Jesus Christ in order that its shadow might run over us? Your mother's not been overrun by death. She's only been run over by the shadow of death, and a shadow is nothing to fear. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil before because your presence is with me. Listen, when your enemies are drawing nearer, when they are drawing close, God is closer. So whether it is afflictions that are coming at you, whether it is trials that are hitting your life, or even a satanic attack, when you feel like the enemies are drawing in so close to you, take rest in the fact that God is closer than ever before. He's there with you through every trial. Second truth, when my enemies are shouting loud, God is louder. When my enemies are shouting loud, God is louder. Listen to the prayer of the psalmist in verse 153 of your Bible. He says, Look upon my affliction and rescue me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. See, the threats and intimidation grew by the minute. Their lies sprouted wings as if it were flying around his head at all moments. And in the midst of these heavy accusations, he cries out to God saying, plead my cause. Redeem me. He's literally saying, God, argue for me. God, set these accusations straight. Silence these slanderous remarks with the truth. They are loud, but your voice is louder. They have their little words that will dissipate like dew from early morning, but your word will never cease. Now, I look at the psalmist here in my Bible as I'm reading this, and I know that I'm trying to run straight to the cross on these particular uh, truths, and I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed if he could say this pre the cross. How much more can we say it post the cross? And In order for you to grab hold of this, you've got to go with me for just a moment into the courtrooms of heaven. There in the courtrooms, it's an amazing A picture, the Bible teaches us that we have a phenomenal enemy in the devil. So death is not only an enemy of ours, but also the devil is. The devil is a fallen angel who at one point in time tried to masquerade himself as a Lord and gain worship and glory, whereby he was cast out of heaven to this earth. All of those who followed him as well were one-third of the angels who had become demonic beings and these angels, uh, believe it or not, are not only attacking us, but the Bible says that the devil is the great accuser. He is the father of all lies. And if you go into that courtroom of heaven this morning, you may see him there as he takes the stand to argue against your life and against my life. He would begin somewhat silent, with his voice indeed dark and then with every single sin and accusation that he hurls against your soul and mind, it would seem that his confidence would actually grow greater so there he is with his chest barreled out his eyes almost flamed with fire a warty tongue pointed directly at your chest as he opens his voice and begins to accuse you before the great judge in heaven who is God the Father and he claims the sins against your life look at her she is envious and idolatrous look at her that adulterous woman. Look at him who cannot control his mind. Look at him, God, the one who claims to know you personally. Look at him who cusses every other word. Look at him who always chases after women. Look at him who's always taking things into his body that he should not take. Look at him who has hatred boiling in his heart. Look at all of his sin and the devil with great audacity and great pride barrels his chest at God the Father as he sits behind the desk of the judge and you can imagine it too the gallery is there and seated there in the gallery are all of the angels who did not follow the devil in the grand rebellion but they remained there in heaven to give praise and worship to the one who deserves it all but the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 6 that these particular angels are actually taking two wings and covering their eyes They cover their eyes because they do not have the audacity to look upon the holiness of God the Father who is the judge sitting behind the desk. But there they are listening as the devil himself would claim all these accusations against your life and against my life. And then as he finally finishes his tirade, you can imagine as they are flying there, they anticipate listening to what will happen next. And then all of a sudden in the back of the room, the door flies open. One that the devil perhaps was not anticipating showing up to that courtroom scene steps in with nails in his nail scars in his hand and nail scars in his feet and scars in his side. Says, Wait a minute, Father. It's amazing, by the way, that Jesus Christ has his dad sitting behind the bench, isn't it? And he comes in and says, wait, wait, wait just a minute. I hear everything that you're saying against Levi. I hear all of these sins that he's committed and these accusations, these swarms of uh, uh, statements that have come up. I heard what you said about her, uh, but God, uh, the Father, please don't forget, remember the cross. There on the cross I died for Levi's sin There on the cross I died for her sin There on the cross you treated me as if I committed all of their sin I was buried and resurrected And I'm here now And although the devil's voice is getting loud How much louder is the word of the living Lord Standing on your behalf Who has redeemed you from the pits of hell Saved you from your sin Granted you holiness Given you new life Promised you heaven and eternity The case is closed man what a great truth can you imagine that as Jesus stands in your place and then God the Father hammers the gavel down and said it's done (laughs) it's done well when enemies are shouting loud you just remember God's louder let me give y'all last truth this is awesome when persecution is great my praise is greater now, I love this. Look at your Bible, 161. Notice that he says, princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word. Verse 164, seven times a day I praise you. Verse 171, let my lips utter praise. Uh, 172, my tongue, let it sing of your word. Did y'all notice the theme there. It's all about praising the Lord. The princes of earth persecuted him, so he praised the king of heaven. He was standing before a great battle for his own life, and he fought with praise. So again, I was reminded of the Old Testament time. Y'all may have seen this before, may not, but in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, uh, Jehoshaphat was the king of Israel at that time, and they were facing a phenomenal battle. And what's amazing is that instead of going out with their swords and their Uh, arrows and their shields the first thing that King Jehoshaphat did was he brought all of the worship leaders together and he told the worship leaders uh, we're fixing to go to battle but I want you to go out before us and I want you to go out singing praise to the Lord and giving him glory for his loving kindness it'd be very similar if we could say this morning we were all fixing to go into a battle all right all of us are in the army uh, you've got your guns, you've got your tanks. We're we ready to go to war. And then I would stand up and say, "Wait a minute! Uh, let's get James Dollar together. Let's let's get everybody who plays a violin. Let's get everybody who plays a flute and a trumpet and a keyboard and a piano and the drums and the trombone and the saxophone and the guitars and those bongo drums. Oh, let's get them all together and let hey, you guys, y'all go out before us singing praise to the Lord. We'll come with our guns later." Y'all all all right with that? That's what they did. You know what's awesome, though? They went out praising the Lord, and the Bible says that God caused their enemies to become confused. So confused were they that they turned upon one another and actually fought against each other and ultimately died. They didn't even shoot an arrow. God fought for them. Can you think about that for just a moment? Jesus Christ is... Standing on the edge of the greatest battle Of his human life Passed out the bread, he passed out the wine He's about to go into the Mount of Olives Where he's going to get down on one knee And cry, Father, if if it's possible Let this cup pass from me So much uh, stress, so much burden Placed upon his shoulders That the Bible says he began to drip uh, Sweats of blood from his forehead He's about to go to the cross and bear the the weight of God's wrath on his own body. Have God the Father turn away from him. What a battle. What's amazing, though, is right after they took the Lord's Supper, the Bible tells us in Matthew's Gospel, they sang a hymn. And then they went out to the Mount of Olives. Are y'all with me? Say yes. They did what? They sang a hymn. I looked up the word hymn. You know what it is? It's hallel. You know what hallel means? praise wait a minute wait a minute the psalmist is facing a great battle he's like seven times a day my lips praise you Jehoshaphat is facing a battle he says y'all go out and praise Jesus is facing a battle and what's he doing praising the Lord singing a hymn right there with the disciples and the Hillel was always sung at Passover it's actually Psalm 113 through 118 turn your Bibles back if you will let's see what they sang together Psalm 113 verse 1 as soon as you find it there somebody shout it out loud shout it out loud like you're in church or something what does it say in your Bible? what does it say? I didn't hear what you said I still can't hear you (laughs) what? that's what they sang Jesus was in the shadow of the cross and he says let's sing praise the Lord praise O servants of the lord praise the name of the lord blessed be the name of the lord from this time forth and forever from the rising of the sun to its setting the name of the lord is to be praised the lord is high above all the nations His glory glories above the heavens and on and on and on and on the praise goes you think about your trial you think about your affliction you think about your difficult circumstance in life Are you trying to fight the battle, or are you getting your praise on and letting God fight it for you? Whenever we are persecuted, when we are surrounded, our praise has to be great. You know, every single Sunday we come up in here for church, we're in a spiritual battle. Did y'all know that? I know some of y'all wasn't aware, because when y'all come in, y'all come in yawning with sleepy in your eyes. Y'all come in, you can't wait to sit down, or you can't wait for the music to be over so you can say, You're so tired, your legs are just so tired. But when you came to church, you came to a spiritual battle. And when we gather together to praise the Lord, we are singing in such a fashion that He might fight on our behalf. And as you sing and as I sing to the Lord praises unto him who is worthy of all praise can't you see the enemies all confused as the devils begin to look at each other say, I don't know what we're gonna do about that place down there at Concord as sin begins to dissipate in your life which has had a grip on you it's all of a sudden losing its power what is happening in this place praise is and when we praise the Lord God works and he fights. And there's no greater fighter than God. So we ought to praise him when we get together. That was Baptist praise. That was like, oh yes, Lord, God bless him. <laughs> y- y'all know what's amazing is uh, one day we're, if you're safe, you know Christ, you're going to enter into heaven. And this right here stuff I ain't gonna do. You know what I mean? You're gonna be like, "Hey, praise the Lord! That's right. That's a good sermon, preacher." You know what the Bible says? I ain't gonna do it because it'd be crazy. But the Bible says you're gonna leap, you gonna leap like an animal. You know, you know, you ever seen one of them deer just jump over a fence? That's what you're gonna look like. You're gonna be so fired up when you see Jesus. All this stuff right here. Praise the Lord. (laughs) I know what some of y'all thinking like, I think the preacher wants us to run around and jump over the chairs. I don't know what he No man, I just want y'all to look at Jesus and be impressed. Be amazed. (laughs) Isn't that wild that they sang before he went to bed? I never saw that before. I got so fired up about that when I was studying. I leapt. Y'all didn't see it, but I left. I thought if those Baptist people could see me now, I would be in trouble. Hey, hey, there's, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm not advocating y'all like crazy, but, but, but it's all right to worship Jesus. That yeah, it's like I, I don't, we're not gonna get on to if you worship the Lord too much. But well, they praise the Lord too much down there, Concord. I don't know what's wrong with them people. They. What? It's like Jesus died on the—we're we going to celebrate it. He died on the cross for you, was buried, and got up from the dead. And we come up in here with sleep in our eye, yawning, waiting for the sermon to get over so we can get up out of here. Man, please. <laughs> hey, it'd be something if you came back right now, wouldn't it? Y'all now—I mean, now that I've been getting all about it, you know, it'd be like all of us just start leaping around. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you was right, Preacher. You go up like, you look like Jordan, you know what I'm saying? Tongue out and everything. (laughs) Hey, listen, uh, you can't praise him if you don't know him. If you don't know him, you can't praise him. But God created you to know him. You got this eternal void in you, you can't fill up with temporary stuff. The eternal void is placed there by an eternal God, and the eternal God wants to fill it this morning. And how did he do it? He did it through what we're talking about. He came. His body was broken for your sin. His blood was poured out for your sin. And if you will turn from your sin and place your trust in Jesus, God will grant you, cause you, uh, literally declare you to be holy. What an awesome truth. John said all this, by the way. I didn't even read that text, but it is awesome. If any one of you sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. Uh, The devil has been defeated, Paul says, Colossians, defeated by the cross. Although we describe him in 1 Peter as a roaring lion, he got his teeth knocked out when Jesus died on the tree. Isn't this true? Wow, what a truth that is. So it's like, I don't know what y'all celebrating. (laughs) But we we got a risen Lord. Why in the world did you not tell people about him? Y'all all all right? Can I tell one more thing? I promise we're going to do the Lord's Supper. Y'all pray. I had the opportunity again to share Jesus this past week. So here here I I get down to the end of it. Here's what I'm rolling out with, though. Here it is. said, "I, I would just, if I were you, this is just what I said, I would investigate the resurrection. I think I'd look into that. If Jesus is dead, then Christianity is just another little religion out there on the grand scheme of world religions. But if he got up from the dead, you might want to pay attention to what he said. (laughs) Y'all all all right with that? God bless you. Just roll up out of there. You know what I'm saying? Roll up out of there. It's awesome though, man. Awesome. Here's something that I asked somebody recently. I said, would it offend you if I told you dogmatically there ain't but one way to go to heaven? Well, that seems a little, that seems a little narrow-minded, huh? Y'all pretty narrow minded about how we get inside this store right here. Ain't but one door. I can't come through no back door, no side door. I gotta come through that front door. If I come in the other door, y'all think I was a thief. If you that narrow minded about your store, you don't think the Lord's got the right to say how he's getting in, how people are gonna make it, and how they're not. And Jesus says, I'm the doorway. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God the Father but through me. That's narrow-minded. Hey, I'm shocked we got a way. Everybody's like, I can't believe just one way. I can't believe there is a way. Now, Who are we? We're all sinners, man. <laughs> well, let's bow together. Father, I feel like I could go on and on, but I thank you so much for what we're about to celebrate and pray for those who are present. God, thank you for those who made decisions last hour i trust you'll minister to people even now your heads are bowed your eyes are closed listen god created you to know him sin separates you you need jesus we've preached it i've encouraged it this morning so if you're here today and you need christ would you just pray something like this as i pray out loud just say lord i know i'm a sinner and i need to be saved so this morning i'm turning from my sin and placing my trust in you thank you for sending your son to die on the cross at calvary for me Thank you for getting him up from the dead. Now help me to live a life unashamed of who you are. And help me to start today. And your head bowed, your eyes closed. A lot of people in here this morning. So if you just prayed with me to respond to Jesus and give your life to him, I want you to just look at me real quick. If you prayed and gave your heart to Jesus, just look up at me for a second. Look real hard at me. Let me talk to you just want to talk to you look at me like another did last hour sir are you looking at me shake your head at me God bless you just continue to look continue to look in a moment after the Lord's Supper we'll stand to our feet I'd love for you to come forward we'd love to talk with you about baptism we'll take care of that in just a few moments praying for you we're gonna pray for you now listen the Lord's Supper is only for those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ So if you do not know the Lord, you've not given your heart to him yet, please don't take this supper. But if you know him, then you can take it. Father, we thank you so much for those who've prayed to respond to you today and pray that you would just continue to give them courage to walk with you. God, we thank you as well for what you're about to do in our midst with this opportunity to take the supper. We give you glory for it. It's in Jesus Christ's name that I pray and everybody said, amen. Deacons, you stand.